I'm going to talk about one of the hardest things we ever do. You'll need to have a sit down for this. We are going to talk about one of the hardest searches that we ever do. And that is searching out why we do things. What's one of the hardest things we ever do? In fact, if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Psalm 139. Because this is so encouraging. Psalm 139. We're going to read just a few verses in. uh, And then skip through it a little bit. But this, this psalm is so encouraging. Here we go. Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord. And you know me. You know, it is so hard to answer the question... Why do I do what I do? What is it that I, what is it that's going on in my heart? In fact, some of us, we've even given up on that question. Because it's too painful, it's too, it's too personal. But this psalm teaches us it's all right. God's got his grace hand on your heart and your life. Somebody else say amen. He's got his grace hand on your heart and your life, and he's going to navigate you through this search of who you really are and what is really going on. Because it's the hardest thing, isn't it, church? Looking at ourselves sometimes. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Even before I think them, you thought that I could think them. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways, my little foibles, my ways. Not just my habits, but just even my my little quirky things. Lord, you are familiar with those things. And you still love me. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you, Lord, know it completely. You hand me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. You know, you are not far from the presence of God. You are not far from God's active presence on you. You lay your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I flee from your presence? And the answer is nowhere. Go down to verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. Even the deepest inner recesses of the dark world that sometime is going on in my mind, the disappointment and the the frustrations, even that darkness, that won't be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light. But listen to you. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Somebody give the Lord praise. Isn't that wonderful? Your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. Skipping right to the last verse. Verse 23, so I say, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's an offensive way in me. 
Not, Lord, so that you could just prove that you're right and I need to buck up and and be better. No, Lord. See if there's anything in me so you can lead me to the way of everlasting. Because I want to progress, Lord. I want to, I want to get there, Lord. I want to search for you, Lord. I want, to, I want to be better than what I have been before. One of the hardest things we ever do is search ourselves. Psalm 139 is so encouraging because it tells me that the loving, wise God is the only truly one that can help me with that search. So I can set myself aright. In 1987, the mega band U2 wrote a song about all the common yearning. It talked about scaling the heights and speaking in uh, tongues and holding hands, sometimes with darkness. And after all these experiences, the, the writer of the song, Bono, said, And yet I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And that's often our experience. There's something in all of us that makes us search. But can I also say, there is often something within us that causes us to stop searching. To give up. To say, oh, what's the use? And to just fall into the patterns of surviving. Instead of searching, we're just surviving. And yet Hosea, the prophet, cries out, let us acknowledge the Lord and let us press on to acknowledge Him. All of us, can often, though, have these internal drivers, these internal voices that move us to be the way that we are and that sometimes they're not helpful. In fact, you know, I I want to really help you this summer, but this could be a so unhelpful message. Because if you are not open, and that's why I had you singing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. If, If you're not open, this could just stir the pot Uh, bring up all the the kind of silt at the bottom of your riverbed and make all the water in your heart cloudy and yet nothing could change because wondering about why that we are the way we are is often very difficult for us and as shepherd and pastor I understand that it's one of the hardest things we ever do but you know it's worth doing It's really worth doing because God has patterns and plans for us that he intended for us so that we could be something really special in his plans. But our voice, uh, our job really is to uncover the voices that are speaking to us. And when we do, even though it's really courageous to do it, it's so freeing. Can I refresh you in some of the truths about you that we all know, but, but I just want to refresh your memory. You know, you have to be really valuable as a human being because God sent His Son on the cross to die for you. He didn't send His Son for, for donkeys and lions and tigers and the th- people of this, and the, excuse me, the creatures of the Serengeti. It was humans. That he said, they are so valuable that I'm sending my son to the cross. That doesn't seem very impressive to you right now. Can I hear an amen? It means that you're so valuable. 
Can I say to you that the original purpose for humans, for Adam and Eve, for you and me, was to reflect the glory of God. To be a showcase of his glorious character. He said, be holy because I'm holy. He said, fill your heart with love because I'm filled with love. He says, you can have wisdom because I uh, give wisdom through our free will, through our emotions, through our intellect. We are a showcase for God's glorious character. In fact, Psalm 67 puts it this way. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us so that your ways may be known in all the earth and your salvation be amongst all the nations. God wants to showcase himself through you. Now, of course, we're weak and we're frail and it's only by his grace and his help and his power and we can't totally showcase everything that God is. But what a privilege, church, to be able to say that God says, will you reflect me? Will you reflect who I am? Isn't that great, church, that God says that? You know, another truth about you is that God wants you to be in deep and close relationship with Him. He's not a distant God who says, you know, uh, I'll just talk to you now and again, or you just bow down to me and do the right thing, and, and, if, and if luck has it that you fall into heaven or fall into hell, then that's okay by me. God's not like that. He's saying, come to me. I want you to be with me. I want you to be intimate with me. I want to know you and you know me. And I want to tell you my plans. You know another truth about you is that the moment you became a a child of God, the moment that you came to Christ, you were forgiven. You became his son or his daughter. You were delivered from Satan. Christ dwells in you. And you are a new creation. That you were declared righteous and accepted. These truths sit around and in your life. Somebody say amen, please. You know, this is true about you. And our search is how we can progress in all of this. And make it real. Actually, our search is how we can throw off the lies that are often sitting in our minds and in our hearts and the false thinking and the attitudes and the patterns that keep us from this glorious freedom in God. Do you ever talk to yourself? I talk to myself all the time. Can I just admit that in public? Do you talk to yourself? I even talk to myself out loud. Sometimes, do you? In fact, it's quite biblical. The psalmist said, Why are you downcast, O my soul? He was talking to himself. I wonder what it is in you that says, God doesn't care about me. I wonder what it is in you when you have the conversation that says, Nobody will like me if they really knew me. I wonder what that inner voice is driven from when you say, I'm a failure. I wonder what that voice is saying when you're saying, I'm much better than others. What is that in us? What is that voice that says, I must be perfect for people to like me? What is that voice? So it's going to take some courage today. It takes courage anyway to uncover those voices, to admit them even to yourself. It takes some, not just courage, but it takes some Holy Spirit light. 
It takes some God hand and God's grace and God walking alongside. It takes some Psalm 139 attention when we say, God, in this darkness, even this can be light to you. It takes some Holy Spirit light to uncover those voices and those hidden thoughts that are blocking you from progressing in your search then it's going to take some close attention to some biblical principles. And when we have the courage to allow the Holy Spirit light to come, and when we have some close attention to these biblical principles, then we can begin our search to progress in God. It's then when we begin our search that we can begin to say to God, God... Please, let me take a step further. And when we begin that search, it will definitely involve some challenge, the false thinking that we're operating out of. And that's tough. That's uncomfortable. And then it's going to take us to apply some of God's wisdom to the search. I'm looking for my phone, Kathy. Or your, oh, you've got it. You know, I... I read a parable. In fact, I've acted this parable out when I was in the Scouts. And uh, there was a, a guy one time who collected rare coins and he lost one. And he lost it over in a dark place. And there was a, there was a light here and a lamppost. You, you would have heard this in, in different forms. And, and, he's, and he's looking away for his coin in a, over and where, the light, where the light is. And somebody comes alongside him and says, what are you looking for? He says, well, I lost my coin and I'm looking for it in, the, in this light here. And the person says, oh, did you lose it here? And he said, no, I lost it over there in the darkness. But it's just lighter here and it's easier to look. And it's like many Christians. We're looking around in the light that we know. And we need to take the light over to the darkness to recover some of the things that we've lost. We need to be able to look and say, God, it takes a bit of courage, doesn't it? It takes some courage not to just play around in the light and and do what we know. But it takes some courage to say, Holy Spirit, you know, you know that bit. You know, you know. Come and bring your light here. But we have confidence that it's a grace, it's a love, it's a father heart. That when he exposes the light in any of our areas, it's with the eyes of love, it's with the eyes of compassion. You know, on your phone, you've probably got a torch. And I, 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 I was going to, I don't know whether, George, you might drop the light. Can you get your phone out? I don't know whether, if you want to. I just wonder whether you could just shine the light on your own heart. And you could just say, Lord, shine your light here. Shine your light on me. I know it's a little bit of a cheesy illustration, but you know, maybe you need to just have courage. Instead of going, oh Lord, look at them. Why don't we just turn the word and turn the Holy Spirit back to us and say, shine it on my heart. Don't put it on your face right now because that's really scary in the dark, okay? <laughs> just turn the lights up. Maybe we could just pray and say, Lord, give me the courage to have some light. Give me the wisdom 
to apply it. You know, we've all got like a sliding scale. There's like a, there's like a good bit over here and then it slides down to an unhelpful bit here. You know, we've all got this sliding scale whereby, hey, we, when we're over here, it's, it's kind of helping us. But if it slides down here, it becomes unhelpful. Like, it, you know, looking after our house, our car, or our body. You know, there's a good bit. There's a, there's a sliding scale where, you know, looking after it, there's a good way of doing that. There's a good way of looking after your car. There's a good way of looking after your body. And then there's a sliding scale, isn't there, where you get obsessed with your house. You're obsessed with your car. You know, you're like Mr. Kiyagi in, in the Karate Kid, which is a really old film and not many of you know it. You know, you know, wax on, wax on. You're just waxing your car and, you know, it's almost like you're polishing the idol. It's the bad side of the scale. Or your body. You know, some of you look after your body and then it nudges over... To a difficult place. To an unhelpful part of the scale. We have a sliding scale in our relationships. We can be over-caring and compulsive in our relationships. Or we can slide over to a different scale where, it's, where we're not caring and we're withdrawn and we're afraid. What the scripture is trying to do is to help us to live in balanced judgment. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, every one of you here, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, is the phrase that the word uses. In accordance, though, with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Let's apply some balance. Let's get our sliding scale that if it's over to the wrong way, that we're going to nudge it back through scripture, through application, through wisdom. Let's, let's put some faith in, in when, our, when we're so negative about ourselves. Let's, let's go balance with faith. Some people are very balanced, but they never apply any faith. Let's, let's attach some faith and some balance to those false answers that are blocking our search to who we are meant to be. We, we say many things to ourselves. And just let me highlight four, just four voices that often speak to us, that, that block what we are supposed to be, that block our progress in God. Number one, there's often a voice inside us that says, I will overly focus on the way that I do things in order to feel valuable. It's not just what I do, but I'm either afraid of failing or think that things have to be really perfect. I'm afraid if I fail or something isn't an absolute success, I'll get frustrated. I'm not balanced about the way that I do things. I I am so focused on what I do. Instead of understanding that what we do is before the Lord. It's on the basis of Him and His love to us. We're not focused on the way, we are so focused on the way it gets done and what it supposedly proves about us. Do we do things in order to prove something about us? 
You know, today is the Open Golf Championship and Italian uh, Molinari is the champion. Uh, uh, but he is going to lose today. Uh, sorry, I'm not being anti-Italian. It's just the way it's going right now. But Rory McIlroy, he, he, he went, goes home to his home course, to all of his people he wants to do so well, and he completely does it wrong. He fails. He doesn't qualify for the weekend. But you know, I was so impressed with him because he said this. He said, I am still the same person, and my friends still know me. In fact, they know the real me. Listen, we need to apply some God's wisdom to some of the ways we go about things. Do you know that God says that you are justified in Christ? That you are forgiven, you're made righteous, and it's actually from that forgiveness and from the righteousness you've received in Christ, it's from that solid base that we then operate And anything that we do, we will fluctuate in in how we do things. But no matter how well we do or not, we must remember that we are already pleasing to the Father. Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we've gained access by faith into this grace whereby we now stand. We stand on that grace. You know what this means? God can use me because of what Christ has already done. God can still use you even though your performance may fluctuate. Now I'm not... Uh, I'm not going against excellence. I'm not saying that you should be uh, shoddy or anything like that. But sometimes we are so wound up within us saying this must prove something about me. And all the time God is saying... Let me use you. Christ has forgiven you. In fact, Colossians says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks. What we do, we do unto him. Another voice that we often have is written there. We're too concerned about our acceptance by others. Now, of course, we want to get on with others and we want to be able to have good relationships with others but we flip flop we go from our scale goes from one extreme to the other about not caring what other people think and then withdrawing away from what other people think and then caring too much about what other people think I wonder if you're out of balance in your connection to other people In fact, let's apply some of God's wisdom. You're accepted by God, the most important person in the universe. Amen? In fact, Colossians says, once you were alienated for God, you were enemies in your mind to God because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you together with him by Christ's physical body that he might present you holy and blameless in his sight free from accusation if you continue in your faith established firm and do not move from the hope that is laid out to you in the gospel you were once away from God but guess what the most important person in the universe says I accept you why are you come on let's give him praise Why are you 
overly concerned about this world's friendship and acceptance. You see, as you progress in God, here's the key. If you continue in your faith, as you press into God, you will be accepted by those people you need to be. Now, this doesn't mean to say that you won't have to work on some relationships, have some forgiveness in some relationships. I'm not saying that if you fall out with somebody, you just write them off and and say, oh, well, that's it. I'm accepted by God. Who cares about you? None of that. You're going to have to work through some things. But as you progress in God, you will be accepted by the people you need to be and what is fitting and fit for you in God. Let me truth bomb you. Can I throw a truth bomb right into our church? Psalm 37 verse is 1 through 4 says this. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong when they show off all that they can do. For like the grass they will soon wither and like green plants they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good and and you will dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Right in that heart, if you press into God, God will fit you to the acceptance levels that you need. Because as you're pressing into God, God will say to you, you need to go and repair that relationship with that person. As you're pressing into God, he'll say, you don't need that person in your life. He will give you that wisdom. What's that voice inside of you saying, I must be accepted by everyone at every time? What is that voice? Another voice we often have is, we get overly concerned and overly down on ourselves. And we criticize ourselves very sharply when we sin. In fact, we we believe we should deserve punishment. And secretly, actually, when we look at other people who have sinned, we believe they should be punished too. Now look, it's not that we want to excuse sin, but we find it very hard to release people into forgiveness. And ourselves into forgiveness. Let's apply some of God's wisdom to this, shall we? The death on the cross satisfies every punishment for my sin. Not your opinion of what I've done or your own harshness on yourself. That's not paying for anything. It's the cross that pays for sin. And so we need to turn sin over to the cross. We need to ask God for forgiveness through the cross. We need to stop saying to what a terrible person we are and say what a great Christ I have. What a wonderful Savior that forgives me. And actually, this is what the Bible says. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, it says, This is how God showed His love amongst us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Then verse 10 says, This is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent His Son as, listen to this, an atoning sacrifice for our sin. That word atoning sacrifice is a punishment for our sin. Paul in another place has this logic. He says, it's Christ who died, not you. 
It's Christ who died for you. So even though you're harsh on yourself, you need to turn that over and say, you took the punishment for my sin. I don't need to keep punishing myself. And whenever you sin, you turn it over to Him. It's not that we do that in a glib way or a shallow way, but that's how God wants it. He punished Jesus so you don't have to be. Can I say that again? He punished Jesus... So stop punishing yourself because your punishment, your criticism, your harshness, it's not achieving anything anyway. He punished Jesus for your sin. What's that voice that says you need to punish yourself? Now, of course, there'll be some amongst you who'll be saying, well, unless they are sincere, but your harshness... Your judgment is not achieving their salvation. In fact, verse 11 in 1 John says, Dear friends, since God loved us like this, we ought to love one another. In other words, the heart of God is for restoration and gentleness, not harshness. In fact, in another place, in Galatians, it says, If you see, brothers and sisters, someone caught in a sin, restore them gently. But watch over yourselves, or you might be tempted. But carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will have and fulfill the law of Christ. You see, when the Lord disciplines us, it's redemptive. It's not punishment-based. It's so that He can restore us. And this is the key. When you do something wrong, when somebody does something wrong, learn how can that person, how can I be restored? Not how I can wallow in the fact or keep saying to myself, oh, I did it wrong, I need to be punished. But actually, that you begin to say, well, what does the scripture say how I can be restored? To the Jews, Jesus said, when you become my disciples, then you will know the truth. And his word for know is understand, perceive. And it means to progress in. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, the key is, don't punish yourself. Look for how you can be restored. How can this be put right? Your punishment. Is not achieving anything. In fact, Jesus is the only punishment for sin, and God's already punished him. So learn restoration. One of the last things that we kind of say to ourselves is, I can't change. No matter how hard I try, I am what I am, and I am what I will be. Sure, we've all got character traits, haven't we? And having lived together, me and Kathy, we know each other's character traits. But some of our character traits, we've, we've dug them into deep grooves and patterns into our lives. And God's got to reach in and reshape some of those. But actually, you need to apply some of God's wisdom if you think, I'm too far gone I don't think I can change now. God, there are some things about you that God isn't going to change because he loves that and he wants to use that. But he wants to redeem the the things that you are, are struggling with. But there are other things that he really is going to change completely. God's wisdom is this. When you accepted Christ, 
you became a new creation. Do you remember Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night? And, and Jesus said, you must be born again. Nicodemus, you've got to have something new birth in you. And you can't try to change. You have to say, God, birth in me your new spirit so that I can then from there change. And some of you in this house, you, you, you're churchgoers. You, you come to church and you need to actually say, I'm not just going to go to church. I want you to birth me again. The Bible says that when we come to Christ, we become a new creation. This is that 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. We are a new creation. Some things die and some things become new. So guess what? You know what that means? You can change. If you've received Christ, you can change. You see, some of us, we, we describe God as if, if we don't work with Him, He folds His arms until we're ready to come back to Him. And I've heard preaching like that. But actually, that's not scriptural. The Bible says that God is always working. In fact, in, first, in Philippians 1 verse 6, it says that God will complete the work He's begun in you, even until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, our theme scripture here is transformed lives, transforming lives. That's our mission statement. It comes from 2 Corinthians 3.18 that says, And we, with unveiled faces, are all being transformed as we reflect the Lord's glory. God is always working. You see, you have to keep applying what you know, and eventually, it may take a while, but it will break open, and you can change. Come on, I want to speak to some unbelief in this house. You can change. Come on, say it out loud with me. I, everybody say I, I can change. Now, there are some lovely things about you that we don't want to change. And there are some things that you're stuck in. And you're believing a lie that you can't change. Oh, I feel it in the spirit. We just have to break that stronghold. Come on, say amen with me. Break that stronghold. You can change. I think some of us have just got to change a formula in our lives. We've got to break the cycle. We've got to be like Rocky. You know, have you seen the Rocky films? I mean, I don't watch such films. I've just seen little snippets here and there. But, and this is what I've gleaned from these films. He's being beaten to a pulp and then he rises at the end and wins. You might be the Rocky. You know, I, I haven't watched all of Game of Thrones. I promise you I haven't. But in the, one of the last series, when the king of death is defeating everybody and they think that it's about over. There's a little girl who just about stabs the king of death and everybody else wins and they all win in the end. That's you. You can change the formula. You can break the cycle. You can win in the end. Somebody give the Lord praise. You can do that. That is you. You see... You may have this formula, you might have this formula, my good performance and your, the opinion of others means I'm valuable. That is a lie. The formula is, and your progress is based on the fact that God has accepted you, God is working in you, and as you walk in Him, nothing can stop that. That is the truth. God's accepted you, 
He's working in you, and as you walk with him, nothing can stop that. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back, but please just retain your focus just for a moment. In the 1970s, there was a Chinese aesthetic Christian writer called Watchman Nee. And some of the older Christians would have read his very serious discipleship books amongst us. I guess you have Olivia. But he wrote a book called Sit, Walk, Stand. And actually that's where your security is. As you sit with God and and understand that he's with you and you're with him. That he's sitting deeply in your life. As you walk with him and you've... And you apply biblical principles and you, you approach the truth and you, you seek to apply it to your life as you sit with him and walk with him. And then as by grace, you stand on that grace and you stand on his promises. As you sit, walk, stand, you can be what God is calling you to be. So here's the very bottom line. Here's the bottom line to what I'm saying. Have you got the courage to uncover? You know, to to switch that light on. Have you got the grace and have you got the courage to say, Holy Spirit... I'm willing. I'm not just going to look around the light over here, but Lord, shine it. Because as you've got the grace to uncover, then through applying biblical principles and wisdom to your life, then you'll recover. You'll get back the things that you were intended to have in God. And then after you've recovered, you can discover your plan and your purpose. Hey, I, I very rarely do this, but everybody say this with me. Uncover. Recover. Recover. Discover. Discover. And that's where God wants to lead you. It's going to take a lot of courage for you to allow God to uncover the lies that sit in our lives. We all have them. But as you walk in the light, as he's in the light, you'll be recovered and covered by his grace. But his plan for you is that you discover his plan and his purpose. Would you please stand with me? In a few moments, some of you may want to bring something to God and we'll do that. But actually, we're going to sing a prayer. And we're actually going to ask you to sing this as a prayer over your life. So you're singing to God, but you're also saying, God, I'm declaring this over me. Because this will be a determination for you. Let's sing that together, shall we? Yes, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy. We love you. Worthy of every song we could ever sing 